0: Today is Thursday, May 20th. We're creeping up on summertime in the year 2021. My, how time has flown. But you know, there were times in there where it seems like it slowed down. This is not one of those times. I'm staying pretty busy. I'm in the midst of putting finishing touches on the No Thanks online course and discussion guide. That's due out June 10th. And... Of course, if you pick up the remix, you will be able to have free access to this online course that is video-driven and it is absolutely free to you. Now, if you don't get the remix, you'll need to go by the site and purchase it. That's lmichellesmith.com slash no thanks. And that will be posted very soon. But in the meantime, while I'm in the lab, let's throw it back one more time. This time we are going to talk to one of my favorite authors in the whole wide world, Alilia Bundles. You probably know her. It's a great, great granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker. She's a member of the National Association of Black Journalists. That's where I met her. And she used to be a pretty powerful producer. At ABC News and Talent Executive. Listen, if you've never heard from Alilia Bundles before, now's your chance. You have to know that she had something pretty monumental happen last year in the midst of the pandemic, and we were all home to watch it unfold. Without further ado, an episode that is perfect for you lady bosses out there, and even for you men bosses. Let's get it. Hey, y'all The year was 2002. I was in Milwaukee for the National Association of Black Journalists Career Fair and Convention. This would not be my first time to this rodeo. Ah, But this was one of the best conferences I had attended and the best NABJ convention I had attended yet. Milwaukee was off the chain. How many of you were there? But there was an arranged meeting that I had thanks to ABC News's first African-American female anchor. Her name was Carol Simpson. Her producer would be in Milwaukee at this event, and she wanted us to meet. We actually connected by email ahead of time, and we would meet in a coffee shop not too far from the convention center and the host hotel this is where I would meet Alilia Bundles for the very first time in person. She told me that she had a book on her own ground. And it was the story of Madam C.J. Walker, the first female millionaire in the United States of America. Y'all, this was in the early 1900s. Sister was doing it. She was balling. She's doing everything that you want to do today. Back in the early 1900s, Well, Alilia was her great great granddaughter, and she would become my first client when I started my agency. She and Valerie Burton, of course, you know her, she is my mentor coach. She is the one who runs the CAP Institute, where I received my certification not long ago. But I digress. Alilia had a vision, she wanted to share the message of women's empowerment from Madam C.J. Walker's story with the masses through her book. And my job would be to publicize the book. Fast forward to 2019, one of the first several episodes of the Culture Soup podcast. I had Aaliyah Bundles on the show. Some of you may not remember. Many of you came along much after and started to listen to the culture soup podcast. But Alilia said something in that episode and I invite you to go back and listen to it. She talked about how her book was being optioned and turned into a movie. And at the time, it looked like Netflix would pick it up, an original series produced and driven by A production outfit led by LeBron James, you know, King James from the NBA. Yeah, everybody knows who LeBron is. And the lead character, Madam C.J. Walker, played by Octavia Spencer. You've probably seen the series. (laughs) It's called Self Made. And it premiered last month. And several of you saw it and several of you loved it, and several of you hated it. Not because that it was this great story of Madam C.J. Walker, but there were some problematic things about the writing. In fact, Alilia talks about it with me. I invited her back to have this conversation about the importance of Black history when it comes into contact with Hollywood. And She gives us great advice for all of you authors out there who have dreamed about turning your book into a movie. She's been there and done that and has the t-shirt. Did you know that this particular story has been optioned more than once? I'll let her tell that story. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you and reintroduce to others my friend, former client, and also author, speaker, historian, and you know what? Emmy award-winning journalist, Alilia Bundles, on this special extended edition of The Culture Soup Podcast. How are you? I'm good. You're looking well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Nice to be. Been a while. I know. But you know. I see
1: you on. I see your little updates on
0: Instagram. Thank you so much. So much has happened, but you know what? You predicted it all. You didn't predict it. You told me it was going to happen.
1: What? Oh, what? With the self-made. Series?
0: Right. You you mentioned that LeBron had picked it up at that point, and you had mentioned Octavia Spencer. So to see right. it all come to fruition is just amazing.
1: Yeah, well, but I I also predicted that the firestorm over the stuff that people didn't like was going to happen as well. You did. <laughs> so we get to talk about all of that.
0: Hey everybody. I am so excited to have my dear friend back. We had her on last December, I believe it was, in one of the earlier shows. It is Alilia Bundle. She is the biographer of Madam C.J. Walker, the great-great-granddaughter of the first female millionaire in the country. That's right. And um, her book, On Her Own Ground, which has been re-released under a new name, you probably know it because of the Netflix series, Self Made. I have Alilia Bundles on the line. Alilia, how you doing?
1: Hey, Michelle, very nice to be with you.
0: You're looking fabulous as always. You're just timeless. You always Thanks. look good. <laughs> thank you you're looking fabulous dolly. well thank you this is um, pandemic hair it's all up in a bun <laughs> 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 you do what you gotta do entrepreneurial right
1: entrepreneurial opportunities for our friends in the beauty business
0: yes yes ma'am yes ma'am and I have my heart goes out to beauty out there all over the place because so many of them had to either halt their their um, businesses or pivot and it's really been a trying, trying time, so I just want to shout them out before we get going. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, and a lot of them are being creative. You know, this is a, this is a moment for creativity. Yes, it's ma'am. tough, but um, you have to dig deep. Yes, ma'am.
0: Yes, ma'am. And you know what? We're all inspired by your great-great-grandmother, the Madam C.J. Walker. And you know what? She is going to be the nice segue into our culture soup moment. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. You know what? No matter what the hashtags are out there right now, we know COVID-19 and coronavirus are all over the place. Hashtag Boss Babe is always trending. Wouldn't you say?
1: Absolutely. And I think that the uh, self-made Netflix series, I have seen people saying that they are dusting off their side hustles and that they are inspired (laughs) as they are sitting at home and sometimes worried about what's going to happen next, that they are looking to their entrepreneurial spirit.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And Madam C.J. Walker, such the original boss babe. You know, um, I had the thrill and privilege to do some work with Mary Kay last year. And I, mm-hmm. as we were unraveling the story of Mary Kay Ash to some entrepreneurs that day, I couldn't help but in my opening remarks say that she inspired me, but she harkened back to the original boss babe, Madam C.J. Walker. They kind of had sort of the same business model, wouldn't you say?
1: Well, yes. And, you know, one of the things that I learned when I was doing my research is that in 1917, when Madam Walker had her first convention of her sales agents, something that had to have been one of the first group of women, businesswomen getting together at that convention, she gave prizes like Mary Kay. But mm. two years before Mary Kay was born. Yes. Um, to the women who sold the most products and brought in the most new agents. But she also gave prizes to the women who had contributed the most to charity Mm -hmm. part of her message to this army of 200 black women who had come from all over the united states the caribbean and central america and she said to them your first duty is to humanity i want others to look at us and realize that as walker agents we care not just about ourselves but about others and at the end of the convention the women sent a telegram to president woodrow wilson urging him to support legislation to make lynching a federal crime. Wow. So, yes, it was about making your own money, becoming economically independent. But the bigger message was use that money and that influence to make a difference in your community. Awesome.
0: You know what? You said a magic date in there. And if this is something you don't want to talk about, I will edit it out. But I got to ask you, 1917, 1918, the Spanish flu. So Madam Walker had to deal with exactly what is going on right now with coronavirus. How did she manage that? Is there anything that gives you any indication of how she kept her business afloat?
1: You know, one of the reasons that we can tell Madam Walker's story with such detail is that we have almost daily letters between her and her attorney Mm. and between her daughter and her attorney and business records. I mean, literally Tens of thousands of records. Wow. So I can tell what she's thinking about. And in 1918, when the flu was happening, when that Spanish flu, misnamed Spanish mm-hmm. flu, was yeah. happening, her um, family physician, Joseph Ward, lost his son, his oh. infant son. She had a cold, what she described as a cold, throughout the fall of 1918 and into early 1919 and in the letters it just says I can't shake this cold she never mentions that she has the flu so I don't know that it was the flu but she was having some health problems and of course she was immunocompromised Mm -hmm. because she had hypertension and she had kidney issues as a result of hypertension so I don't know from a documentation standpoint that she actually had the flu but she did have some kind of cold that she couldn't wow.
0: shake. Wow. You know what, Aaliyah, that's almost spooky because there's so many people here in the United States of America before we even knew that it was going to hit our soil. There were people who were sick that didn't know what was going on. <laughs> right. That's
1: right. That's right. Yeah. People who were asymptomatic. I mean, it, yes. and you think about all of, you know, I've done a lot of research on black soldiers who went to, went over to Europe during, during the war in France. And certainly a number of soldiers died of the flu. I haven't seen anything really written about the black soldiers, but I wonder if they were in a separate, you know, they were separated from the white soldiers, if that had Mm -hmm. anything to it. I don't know that from a, from a research standpoint.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. Oh my goodness. Talk about how, on your own ground, the book that you and I worked to get publicity around, how many years ago, 2003, 2004, something like that, has now been reissued, renamed, rebound, I believe, because there's a new cover to reflect the new Netflix show, Self Made.
1: Right. So, my book, yes, that we worked on uh, long, long ago. On Her Own Ground, The Life and Times of Madam C.J. Walker originally came out in early 2001. And mm-hmm. then The Paperback came out in 2002. And now that there is a Netflix series starring the amazing Octavia Spencer. We love uh, her. Called Self Made. Yes, we love her. She was great. Um, mm-hmm. the, the publisher, my publisher, has put together two editions. One is a movie tie-in edition mm-hmm. with Octavia Spencer on the cover named Self Made. And the right. other has a new cover, but the original title on her own ground. So oh, it is wow. essentially the same book as okay. the original from 2001, but I've written a new epilogue and I've made a few corrections, you know, in a 293 page book, there are a few mistakes that you make the first time around. So sure, I have, as sure. a journalist, I have made a couple of corrections and I've this done what a we do. ton more research because I'm writing, I'm almost finished with a biography on Madam Walker's daughter, A'Lelia Walker. It will be out next year. I can't year wait. From Scribner. Oh, I can't wait. So, so there's a lot, so lot. Yeah, I stuck in a few little things about her that I didn't, that weren't in the first edition. Mm-hmm.
0: And this would be your grandmother, right? My great-grandmother. Great-grandmother. My great-grandmother. Okay. great-grandmother.
1: So, Madam J. Walker, great-great-grandmother. Gotcha. A'Lelia Walker, my great-grandmother. And then A'Lelia Walker uh, actually adopted my grandmother
0: my oh, grandmother, wow. who was
1: May. So May appears at the end of the Netflix series. She goes to Spelman, and so she becomes president of the company. Wow. And then my mother, A'Lelia, and then me. So there are three A'Lelias.
0: Wow. Okay, that's how I got it a little crossed up. I knew there was more, right. <laughs> more than two. Right.
1: It's like the three A'Lelias will throw you <laughs> yes. off. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what, A'Lelia,
0: number three,
1: you said you did
0: some more research. What did you uncover that you didn't know already?
1: So this story with A'Lelia Walker, even when I was writing on her own ground, I was trying to establish the relationship between mother and daughter. And my last chapter, the sort of end of the book, uh, called The Afterward, I wrote about, tried to put her whole life in the 20s into about 10 pages because I knew Mm. I was going to write another book and I didn't want to give my secrets away. Mm -hmm. But one of the things I discovered is that the way she's been written about in the past, essentially, is Madam Walker made the money. Her daughter, A'Lelia, spent the money. She had a lot of parties. The end. And I have to say, <laughs> nobody is that pathetic. Right. <laughs> and she like, was very well educated
0: and very yeah, fabulous. And like, phenomenal. that would just be,
1: you know. But it was a kind of shorthand that people, some, you know, even some scholars whose work I really respect, in writing about the Harlem Renaissance, I guess that was just kind of a neat package. When you do a cliche, often it's because you're lazy. <laughs>
0: right. So I think that's Or it's kind clickbait, of, original clickbait, you know, ex- not for the internet.
1: <laughs> not right, exactly. But what I've discovered about her, she truly was a patron of the arts. And she hosted the first um, show for Augusta Savage, the famous mm. black sculptress. She was very close friends with a lot of the musicians and actors of that period, because that, you know, we know Langston Hughes, Countee Cullen, Zora Neale Hurston, even though Zora lied about her age, but by and large, the writers were about a decade and a half younger than A'Lelia Walker. So her contemporaries were more the actors and the um, musicians who really were kind of that first wave of talent for the Harlem Renaissance. So those people were at her parties performing in her parties and doing concerts at her homes. So those kinds of things were interesting to me to really place her as a, as a patron of the arts and not just say, some people said, Oh, you know, she didn't even read books, but I have her library. So I, you know with her first editions of science, wow. but she, they just put her in a box. And then the other thing that was so fascinating to me is she really was an international traveler. She mm. loved Havana. And in 1921 and 22, she went to Paris, London, Monte Carlo, Rome for the coronation of the Pope, Palestine, wow. Cairo, and then Addis Ababa to, to meet the Empress of Ethiopia. Wow! So That's she amazing. was amazing. So she was, a, and she went first class on a on the SS Paris, the only Ooh. black woman who was in first class. So you know, she, it is a really interesting. Story. Now, she's not her mother. It is absolutely true. She's not as driven a businesswoman as her mother. Yeah. But she still is quite interesting
0: all on her own. Well, I can't wait to read it. Now, we got to get back to Madam CJ Walker and self made. First of all, tell me about that experience. What was it like taking your book? Working with the likes of a LeBron James and his team, and then an Octavia Spencer, and bringing this story to Hollywood. What was that like?
1: So, I know people think that because LeBron James's name is listed as an executive producer, that I know him, but I've never met him and I've never talked to him. So, I hear you. Cool people are, you know, we're not BFFs. But that, that sort of added to the. Um, you know, made it more interesting to people, sort of yes. gave it some cachet. It but did. um but my book had been optioned a couple of times before. And this is kind of a very typical Hollywood story. In the early 80s, Alex Haley wanted to do a miniseries about mm-hmm. Madam Walker. So I did a ton of research for him that oh wow. he died in 1990. without having written a book, but that was, you know, in some ways, okay. Because it was like, I got to have a great mentor and some.
0: Okay, stop. You know what? That
1: is like black history.
0: (laughs) I have (laughs) to like, take that in for a minute. I wonder what his take would have been like.
1: Well, you know, it was, I think some of it is generational. And this is what I love about doing interviews with you is that you have, you always say, now, so wait a minute. Yes, Let us go back. Yeah, You yeah. know and I'm a ex-journalist, I too. <laughs> that's what I love about you. So I actually, I have the treatment that Alex did for the uh, for his original idea. Wow. And we went so far as to, you know, he had this beautiful farm in um, Tennessee that Marion Wright Edelman's Children's Defense Fund now owns, and they use yeah. it as a retreat. But we went to his farm with... Um, a couple of the Hollywood producers and directors who had been part of Roots and Ruben Cannon, who had done the casting, who now I think works with Tyler Perry, and a couple of historians who I invited to come. And we talked about how we would develop the story. And you know, he saw, one of the things that was interesting, he saw a composite character, which is something that I would have done for this self-made uh, series that, uh, that the writer didn't really have in her vision. But to have a composite character who was a good friend and a mentor to Madam Walker when she was still a washerwoman and the churchwomen at St. Paul Mm -hmm. AME Church in St. Louis. The people who gave her that vision that she could be something more than an illiterate washerwoman. And the person he saw in that role at the time was Maya Angelou. (gasps) Ooh, oh, this is so oh, this is just this is yeah, golden. So remember, <laughs> he was very he was close to Quincy Jones Yeah, and Oprah Winfrey was part of that mix because they had just done um, uh, color purple color purple. And he and he and I, of course, and, and Oprah Winfrey and Maya Angelou were good friends. So yes. that was part of the mix of people who. Would have been involved, but of course now you know thirty some years has gone by since then. So some of those gone, or some of those people are are older. But that was the idea, and it was there was more of a there was a love story with C.J. Walker that you know that he was developing, and you know so that was an interesting. Yeah, and there been more of her politics and more of her philanthropy, Mm. which I have loved to have seen. So we, so we did that, but Alex, I did all this research for Alex. I took nine months off from my job as a producer at NBC and moved to New York for a few months. And there were still some of the elders who were living. I went to 12 different cities. <gasps> that these people, oh, wow! some people who had worked for the company. So it was really, um, a very special moment. And some people may remember, Stanley Nelson's film Two Dollars in a Dream. His very first documentary, you know, people know his Miles Davis and um HBCU mm-hmm. documentary. Stanley's a MacArthur fellow. But his very first documentary was Two Dollars in a Dream about Madam Walker, in part because his grandfather was FB Ransom, Madam Walker's attorney. So he wow. did the same elders for his film. And you can see it now on YouTube. It, he put it up on YouTube a few weeks ago and there are like more than 400,000 views. So this is what okay, people You know what I have to stop and just say this.
0: And I know you mm-hmm. guys are friends, but he has since become my friend.
1: Oh, no good.
0: other conversation that I've had on this show has fascinated me so much except for drum roll please, Dr. Henry Louis Gates Jr. <laughs> Because so much of what you're sharing with me has a lot to do with ancestry. And that's what we talked about, of course. But these Black history figures that are interacting like in real time in these stories is just blowing my mind. And these are the types of stories that that
1: Skip shares, you know? Right. Well, and this is, listen, this is so much the story that I really want to redo. I mean, I think Spencer was great in... uh, In self-made. And I think for me, she really embodied the spirit and the courage Mm -hmm. and the tenacity of Madam Walker. But the storylines were really different than what I would have imagined. It sort of got Mm -hmm. stuck on that Annie Malone, Addie Monroe, you know, imaginary relationship that really didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And very little about people like Ida B. Wells, who Madam Walker knew and the the way that Booker T. Washington was portrayed and a little bit of uh, W.E.B. Du Bois, I would have developed those relationships a lot yeah. more and you know a lot more with the philanthropy because I think that people don't really know just how amazing those black folks were in that first generation out yeah. of slavery. And rather than default to two women fighting each other, yeah. I think we could show the amazing things that were going on. And I think that history, people assume history is boring um, Mm -hmm. because they didn't like it in school. But the real dynamics and the drama, you know, some of these, all of these famous people, they all didn't get along with each other.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that how it is
1: anyway? It's it's how it is. That's real life. But some of them did and they really lifted each other up. And Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have shown that sort of empowering women, empowering each other. So, you know, that's why there has to be me doing another version sure. of this. Sure. And there's
0: so much more story to tell. So why not? And I've got to ask you again, I'm going to stop you again. You said it was optioned twice before this. So the other, other
1: story? story? So, so Ale- when Alex died in 1992, I had met his editor, Lisa Drew, who had done Roots. And Lisa and I had become friends as a result of Alex. And she's the one who signed my book on her own ground to Scribner? So I began working on that book. When it came out, as I was finishing it, at the end of 2000, the book was actually optioned by Columbia TriStar for a CBS movie. And that optioned back to me because it fell through, which is what happens with a lot of... It happens a lot. And then about five years later, HBO optioned it. And this was going along well, but um, there were two writers and the more senior of the writers actually died and HBO wasn't willing to go forward. And so then the Mm. option came back to me again. And then we had about a decade of um, black movies don't sell overseas. So Hollywood had no interest. And then, right. Then Selma, 12 Years a Slave, um, the Butler Black and Oscar So White happened, and Black Panther, <laughs> but all of those, those things happened and then my phone started ringing again. So oh, that was wow. we were in okay. two thousand. So you know what
0: we need option now? We need the story of you getting this movie <laughs> made because that's a movie in and of itself. We need the A'Lelia Bundles version.
1: There's, behind there's, the some, scenes. there's definitely some drama. There's definitely drama behind
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of drama, you mentioned Annie Malone. There's some other things about the movie that weren't quite on
1: the menu. You want to talk about right. that? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, yeah, so the, the most obvious thing, the thing that got the biggest firestorm was the Addie Monroe character who the writers, the head writer and the showrunners decided it was a composite character who was Addie Monroe, because they said, and they've said in interviews, that they wanted to lean into colorism. So even Mm -hmm. though in real life, Madam Walker and Annie Malone were rivals and competitors, both were, in fact, as you know, very successful businesswomen and philanthropists who, you know, were equals in that sense. And not, their conflict had nothing to do with skin color Mm -hmm. and Addie. Annie Malone in real life certainly did not follow Madam Walker to, to Indianapolis. They were both doing their own things with and empowering women. So that yes. upset a lot of people. And I and mm-hmm. I understand that because I did not think that was the way to go, but I was overruled. <laughs> there you um, go. There you go. But that, you know, and that's part of the way things work in Hollywood. Like that's I, Hollywood. I feel, yeah, but I and I'm really I think there's so many amazing stories now, so much that's being optioned mm-hmm. about these historical figures who the most of the world doesn't know about. You know, Those of us who read history and you know, do that kind of research, we're fascinated by it and we know they're fascinating stories, but the rest of the world is like, who are these people? But these yeah. people really paved the way for us. And I think as these stories are being optioned, I'm really trying with my friends who are in Hollywood who are receptive and my friends who are historians and journalists to really try to create a dialogue that changes the dynamic of you write the book and we want you to go away. We really don't Mm -hmm. want to hear you because you're interfering with our creative license. And I don't think it has to be that way. I mean, obviously there are different mediums, but there's a, what is it that people who write history and who have all those facts that can never end up in a movie? What is it that we need to understand about translating it to the screen. And what is it that the folks who do the translation could learn from why it matters if you totally change the history, you know? Yes, you can do composite characters, but if you totally change the history, it's like saying the Confederates won the Civil War. Right, Know how much backlash came when folks were gonna try to do that movie. Totally.
0: You know, this reminds me a lot of the back and forth around hidden figures. And how, you know, the white male character kind of turned out to be a savior of sorts. But even the whole episode, the, the whole scene around uh, the the woman, I think it was Katherine Johnson, going to the bathroom and right. how right or wrong that was and how that little nuance pretty much changed a whole storyline, which kind of made it false and not true. Right.
1: And Not true, and you know, and I get that there are there are some things in order to make something dramatic for Hollywood that there's some things that are going to be changed. So you just kind of go, okay, I, you know, for the greater good. But there yeah. are things that you know that that were for me troublesome in the movie. I mean, aside from the Annie Malone thing, mm-hmm. that was the thing that most people reacted sure. to. But there were other things for me. Um, now, I will say, I love the wigs. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. the evolution. I loved seeing really prosperous black folks because most people don't know that there were prosperous black folks in the century. Yes. I the century. I, you know, I like to see that there's sacrifice that goes along with building a business. And, you, and right. so a lot of people related to that and they were inspired by that. But here are a couple of things. The character sweetness. And I know mm. people love Bill Bellamy, but that's not a real character. Yeah. And F.B. Ransom um, Madam Walker's attorney was known for being a straight arrow. His daughter said he took a, an oath as a teenager to never drink, smoke, or gamble. All right. And so t- so for this, this to did, do right, he, he was, he, <laughs> it, which which allowed Madam Walker to be on the road and to be the yes. visionary. And you know, when you're trying to run a business, you've got to have somebody you can trust. So he was mm-hmm. totally trustworthy, but to have him betting on the numbers And then to and then to have some illegal money, implying that illegal money was necessary for the company to get started. For me, that was problematic. Well,
0: that's breaking his character. I mean, like literally his character.
1: That's right. Literally his character. So and then one of the other things that was problematic for me, well, the Esther character was problematic for me because A'Lelia Walker didn't have a girlfriend named Esther and yeah. the real conflict be- was uh, over two boyfriends so there's that mm-hmm. but the other piece was the the john d rockefeller scene mm-hmm. and so people have said oh did Madame walker you know visit john d rockefeller well, first they didn't really live next door to each other it was about five miles away but okay mm-hmm. so i can get that if they had actually known each other but there were so many black people who she consulted you know they yeah. the publisher of the black yeah. newspapers the leaders of black organizations, those are the people whose values were aligned with hers. So for me, it was unnecessary to imply that John D. Rockefeller, you know, who wouldn't have had her over was someone in whom she could confide. So those things, now that goes way, you know, most people are not going to get in the weeds and not think about those things. But I do think that kind of thing matters ultimately. Of
0: course, and you're... The biographer that is just holding the flame, no matter what. You've done so this long, why stop?
1: Right. Well, and I want, you know, I want people to be entertained. I want a successful movie like anybody. But I do, maybe I just feel like this for the ancestors, that their story is untold. And, And we need to know it. And young people, you know, young people, old people, whatever, we don't know our history. And our history has intentionally been erased and marginalized. So so there's an opportunity to lift those ancestors up, even with their flaws. I don't mind them having flaws. They had flaws. But to really tell what were their struggles. Yeah.
0: So you have done what a lot of writers dream of. First of all, there are plenty of writers that just dream of having a successful book, Mm -hmm. first of all. Then to take it through the idea of having it option two or three times and then finally having it land. And then it's a Netflix event, right? Because, I mean, there wasn't too many people on social media that were not talking this up and saying, I've got to watch it. It It was a really good premiere, I would say. What advice or tips might you have for writers who are trying to cross that magical chasm from book to movie?
1: But you know, it is a minor miracle. The idea all of these people who work so hard on this, um Octavia Spencer was great. I mm-hmm. love having Claire Underwood as Madame Walker as Madame you know, as or as Octavia's love interest. I mean really. It's wonderful. <laughs> I mean, if you could have anybody. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's also true that during the summer when they were filming, he called me to get more information about C.J. Walker, the character he played. So I really admired him for doing his homework and really putting that kind of care into it. Kevin Carroll, who played F.B. Ransom, was incredible. He's such a great actor. And then the the behind-the-scenes people, the makeup people, the costume people, the director of cinematography – the production manager, we're both black women. So there's uh-huh. a whole lot of riding on something like this in order to get it to this point. So I have great uh-huh. admiration and love for the folks who who work so hard. But advice yeah. for people, <laughs> so yeah. you know what? I just put one foot in front of the other. I mean, that literally, yeah. I just, I, ne- I never, I, I couldn't have told you that this absolutely would have happened. I just knew that every time something fell through, that I said, okay, well, I'm just going to keep working. I didn't even think about it as a defeat. I just thought, well, it just didn't work out that time, but I'm still going to do what I'm doing to tell the story. I'm making my speeches. I'm doing my website. I'm getting ready for the next book. I'm, you know, all of the little things that I just did every single day. And ultimately, somebody found it. The timing was right. The planets aligned.
0: Isn't that so much the, the pathway and the journey of an entrepreneur?
1: It, it, right. It, it, it is. And you just, you cannot, as you know, because you are a serial yes. entrepreneur, you really can't be defeated. It was like, okay, so I learned something from that mm-hmm. and I'm just going to keep moving on to the next thing. And there's another door that's opened over here. I mean, that's a cliche. I know. But in fact, it is true. It's true. So I didn't get to do that. So oh, I see another opportunity here. Let me keep. Let me keep moving. Yes,
0: ma'am. Put one foot in front of the other, and when you hear no,
1: keep going. Yeah, I mean no. And doesn't take advantage
0: even, of the opportunities that pop up.
1: Right. No doesn't even feel like no to me. No. You know what I mean? And, I it's, mean, and it's, I, it's just a a pivot. <laughs> It's just a pivot. It's like, okay, so, you you know, why are you not smart enough to get it? (laughs) What it is, I'm saying.
0: (laughs) You know that's right. And, you know, I heard somebody say this. I don't know who it was. It might have been a contemporary of mine that's an entrepreneur who had advice for other entrepreneurs. Get used to the word no. And you not only have gotten used to it, it's just a part of your whole operation. It
1: propels you. It, absolutely. Absolutely. And you just see, you know, there's some things that I've I've just learned so much from this. Now, I have some other things that I'm some other projects I'm getting ready to do. When I finish with this book on A'Lelia Walker, that's the last book I'm writing that requires the amount of historical research. I mean, and I will say this is kind of Madam Walker's advice, have a product that's really high quality. And yes. always really important to me that my books be reliable and credible. And so I knew I was starting off with a great foundation. So that mm-hmm. was really important to me that I research and write and I rewrite. And so everything that I write has gone through you know multiple edits for me. So I start off with that, but it's, but now I'm getting ready to do some other things and I'm thinking, okay, so what did I learn from this experience? There were some things that didn't make me happy, um, as I was going through it. And, but I managed to do my meditations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I managed mm-hmm. to do my self care. I managed to see the people who were allies and I identified when people were not in my corner, but I didn't want to have, you know, knock down, drag out fights with anybody. I just said, okay, I've just got to go. I've got to right. go another way.
0: Right. That's wonderful. That's good advice, too, because you will come up against adversity and how you take care of yourself during that time will impact the way you respond, because at the end of the day, it really is about how you respond.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it totally is. You know, as, as I was going through some of the most challenging parts of it, I have a really good friend who is like a coach. And mm-hmm. you know, you have friends who are, your, you know, who are in your corner, who are cheering you yeah. on no matter what. And then there's some people who can really give you really good advice and be honest with you. And Mm -hmm. I need to have, I have some of those folks around me, you know, and that's really, really important. It's like, here's what you need to think about. If you do this, here's the response that you're going to get.
0: Right. That's awesome. And you mentioned allies. You mentioned people who supported you. I noticed that Rich Dennis was behind this too and promoting it. Anything else? But it was wonderful to see that side of your business kind of come and support the book and the movie.
1: Yeah, the, the Sundial folks have been just great, and you know now it's the Essence folks with Rich. You know, this is one of the gifts, and, and and every time there were you know there were things that I didn't like or challenges. I mean, literally for the last fifty years, there have there's there's always you know one of the parts about telling Madame Walker's story is that. In addition to the wonderful parts and the inspirational parts, there are always some people kind of grabbing at it or throwing something at it. I mean, so that happens. That's part, you know, that's part of life. But one of the great gifts for me has been Rich Dennis's interest in Madam Walker and people Mm -hmm. who know something about him, know he came from Liberia to go to college and he had heard about Madam Walker even before he got to the United States and wondered what had happened to the brand. So the company mm. never went out of business. But my family was not involved after the mid 80s for about 30 years. Another entity owned the trademark and Rich bought the trademark for Sundial. Wow. And that's when he began to develop this new line of products, MCJW, to be in the Sundial family with Shea Moisture and Nubian Heritage. So,
0: so awesome. <laughs>
1: yeah, so, and so, so And it's. It's great for me after he, you know, after the company, after Sundar was sold to Unilever, he created this uh, new voices fund, this hundred million dollars venture capital fund and bought Essence. But one of the other offshoots of that is he created a foundation that now owns Villa Lawaro, Madam Walker's home in Irvington. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a National Historic Landmark. So some of the women, who go through the new voices fund eventually will be able to, you know, visit. Okay. That explains
0: it. Because I saw some of that storyline about the, um, the the entrepreneurs that are being funded and that connection. And I didn't know the full story. That's amazing.
1: So there, and that is having a moment. I mean, (laughs) yes, she's having a moment.
0: She is the ultimate boss babe then and now. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Wow. Oh, Alilia, this is fantastic. I mean, let's go back. Did you, when you, when we met in Milwaukee, (laughs) at NABJ, at that little coffee shop, did you have any idea? Were you just kind of open to the universe or are you just saying, I just want to write this book?
1: You know, I was open to the universe. At that point, I just, I knew that this is part of the one foot in front of the other. I knew that I needed to finish writing the book. I finished Mm -hmm. writing the book. I had a great time promoting that book. And then I needed to move on to something else. So I went back to work (laughs) at ABC and I did that for five years. But while I was doing that, I was starting to ramp up my speeches on Madam Walker. I was starting to do other things. I was on uh, the board of the Walker Theater Center in Indianapolis, but just little on the vacations here and there, I was just doing little things, planting seeds. But I also knew that I really wanted to write a book about A'Lelia Walker because I thought her story was as fascinating. But some of this mm-hmm. is just total labor of love compelled yeah. to tell their story. That's what yeah. was driving me. The ancestors, I knew the ancestors needed their stories told. And so that mm-hmm. became a passion for me.
0: That's amazing. Oh, A'Lelia, it's always good to have you. <laughs> I, I learn something new every time.
1: Well, wow! I just love seeing you that you have been so intentional about what you were going to do and each one of these things you have planted seeds just like I have you plant the seeds and some of them blossom into big huge trees and big plants and some of them are little small African violets and they still are important so I love seeing what you're doing
0: (laughs) you know what I always felt like connecting with you at that very important time when I was kind of thinking about starting an agency and I got you on board and Valerie Burton on board. By the way, there she is back there. Book number 13, 12, I think. Yeah, it's about time. Just seeing everybody blossom is just amazing. But still, I've always believed that the spirit of Madam Walker kind of rubbed off on me <laughs> I love
1: that. just by
0: coming into contact with you. And this idea of empowering women has just not left me.
1: Well, and your, you know, your confidence was so amazing because you remember, I did not know I was your first client. I That's t- right. It was like a whole <laughs> but I feel even, you know, more
0: honored that I was. Yes. I mean, goodness, I'm honored. Are you kidding me? Like to be able <laughs> to say this, but you know what, even before self-made and the Netflix and the, the revamp of the the products and everything that on her own ground has been standing up in one or two of my offices, no matter what. In fact, I just found the box from my agency with all my awards and that book <laughs> It's in there because it just, it fueled so much of what we did during that timeframe. And I have to tell you with this second iteration as a serial entrepreneur, that spirit has not left me. In fact, it's probably more powerful now that it was because I can be a fierce advocate as an executive coach for women and a business coach for entrepreneurs so right. and you and
1: you have lived the things that you saw in that book on your you yes, have come ma'am. to your own conclusions on those things yes ma'am yes
0: ma'am that's awesome everybody Lillian Bundles the biographer of on her own ground and now called self-made you can also get it as on her own ground and you know what where can people get the book
1: so you can order the book on my websites, com and madamcjwalker.com, and you can get it at your independent bookstore because we want to support them, Amazon, Barnes and Noble and Simon and Schuster. And I will tell folks, it will probably come faster if you order it from somebody else because I have now become the fulfillment department, the shipping department, oh. the labeling department. <laughs> and- and- and I go to the post office uh, about every three weeks. So on my couch yeah. right now, there are 50 books that I have to label. And I hope to get well, to the post office by you need to channel Madam
0: Walker and get yourself some <laughs> affiliate workers that can help you move those things. <laughs>
1: as, listen, as soon, as soon as this pandemic is over, I am hiring Oh my somebody. gosh. <laughs>
0: I know you are. Wow. What an amazing conversation. Alylia. thank you so much.
1: And where can people
0: follow you on social media?
1: So I'm at A'Lelia Bundles on Twitter and Instagram. Fantastic. Check me out. And sign up for my newsletter at A'LeliaBundles.com.
0: Oh, good. Good, good. Sign up for the newsletter, y'all. Thank you so much, A'Lelia.
1: Thank you, Michelle.
0: What an awesome conversation with Aulia Bundles, biographer for Madam C.J. Walker, the original book on her own ground, the new release, Self-Made. And don't forget to check out that Netflix series, Self-Made with Octavia Spencer, when you have a little extra time. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Silos Communication LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a
1: registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.